This week, Carrie and I got an air fryer. And uh, I suppose we did that with our stimulus paycheck. Thank you, government, for the $130 air fryer we got. Um, we, wanted, we wanted to cook in a healthy way. I, I love fried food. I know that that's evident. Um, however, we want to cook in a healthy way, and, and uh, we've been trying to focus on that. So we, we got it. We, we bit the bullet, got the air fryer. We've made several things. Some things have turned out good. Some things... No, not so much. We made pizza in it, healthy pizza, and that was delicious. That was fantastic. I made a rotisserie chicken. That was great. Um, although it was a little too big for the spindle, and so it, anyway, it didn't really work out the way I'd hoped. But we also made um, fries with this vegetable. Mm, I should have looked up how to pronounce it, but it's J-I-C-A-M-A. Hickama? And that was all right. Like the first two bites of jicama fries tasted pretty legit. The third one, not so much. Um, but we, you know, we, we've been learning and experimenting with this air fryer. But we have two dogs, Katie, Casey and Sadie. And Sadie is a black mouth cur. And we noticed that she kept acting crazy. Now, she is a rescue. And when we first got her, she was crazy. And to this day, I love her because I love my wife. But we noticed something shifted. She really went off the deep end. She was hiding in our bedroom. She made her way into our closet to lay on my clothes that were on the floor. I mean, those are my dirty clothes on the floor. I don't want a dog on the, those clothes. So I was really frustrated and I was kicking her out of the closet. And I was trying to put shoes there and make it where she wouldn't feel comfortable being in there. Um, but this happened several times and we finally put it together. Every time we cook with the air fryer, there is this frequency that only Sadie can hear. The other dog is fine, but Sadie hears it and it literally drives her crazy. She runs and hides on the far end of the house. And if we let her outside, she runs into the backyard and she steps into the pool, swims two laps and then gets out like she's having a panic attack and she just has to cool down and she's, she's trembling. And, and so now we have this thing where we're telling the kids, you can't even plug it in because we found that when you just plug it in and not run the air fryer, it's emitting a frequency that drives Sadie crazy. And I want to tell us today that in the same way, there are things happening in this world and in this life that others cannot perceive. But there is a frequency being sent out. Just because you can't see it, just because you can't hear it, just because you can't five sense it, doesn't mean that it's not alive and active on planet Earth. I'll give you some examples of frequencies that we can't see, but we know to be true just from reading God's word and, and following him closely. The first frequency is God already knows. He's not caught unaware. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're struggling with or wrestling with, no matter what you've lost or what you've gained, God is not surprised. We know that to be true because Isaiah 46.10 tells us that he knew the end from the beginning. Before this world ever began on its first revolution, he already knew how it was going to play out. He knows the end from the beginning. And I know it's really easy for you and I to get confused and to look at circumstances and forget that God knows. 
but he knows. I'm just encouraging you today to pick up that frequency that God knows he's not caught unaware. Another frequency that's going out that maybe we don't notice is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, there is a frequency that is louder than the frequency of this world, and that is God is working everything for your good. It doesn't mean that everything's going to look good. It doesn't mean that everything's going to feel pleasant, but we know from Romans 8, 28, that he works everything out for the good of those who love the Lord. I just want to remind you of that frequency because it gets lost in the noise of the world today. There's another frequency. Spiritual warfare is very real. There is a war going on. And I'm not talking about a trade war with another nation. I'm not talking about an artillery war with another nation. I'm not talking about a political war between parties. I'm here to remind us all that there's a frequency and you'll miss it if your eyes aren't open. That there is a spiritual warfare going on. I pulled a few scriptures just to be able to let you know that what I'm saying is true. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You, my friend, are in a spiritual warfare today. Romans 8, 37 through 39, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And one of my favorites, John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy But Jesus Christ has come that you and I may have life and have it to the full. I care about a lot of things in this life. But I I cannot pass over the fact that I am in a spiritual war. I'm not afraid of losing But I have to be diligent. I have to stay on my guard and I have to be understanding what God has called me to do in each day if I want to move the ball forward for the kingdom. You see, we're in a series. What's after ATX? What's after Austin, Texas? We're talking about heaven throughout this series. It's been a lot of great, 
great information, fun stuff to talk about. I love heaven. I, I haven't been there yet, but I will be there someday. And I already know so much about heaven because of what God's word says. But today I want to hit a different angle. If it's your first time at theexchangechurch.org or you're watching on Facebook Live, welcome to church. We're going to talk about hell. This will be the most hope-filled message on hell you've ever heard. My goal is not to scare the hell out of you. My goal is to love the hell out of you. My goal is for you to understand what Jesus Christ did on Calvary so that he made a way where there seemed to be no other way. And you and I have access to a kingdom even now, this side of eternity. We're going to talk about hell. The, the frequency that's not going out that we're often forgetting is there is a hell. There is a very real, literal hell. And it's popular in our culture, dare I say, churches around the globe. There's a trend, people are saying something silly, like there's not really a hell. It sounds good on paper, I suppose. It's just not in God's word. I didn't come today to give you a theology that just makes us feel good. I'm bringing a theology that lets us live forever. I'm bringing a theology that reflects the true heart of God and the, the instruction of God. And I'm here to remind us that there is a very real hell. The Bible describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what I could do, I could show you some gory illustrations and make you scared to go there. It just doesn't work. Scaring people to run to Jesus isn't lasting. But when you show people the love of God that is there to rescue them, to, to bring them out of the destiny that they've created for themselves and offer the hope that only a Savior can give, when you, when you show the love of Jesus, that's what rescues people out of hell. But that doesn't make hell any less real. So I want to make sure that you hear me, church, you, that you, you someday when we stand before God, you won't be able to point over at me and say, he never told me. I'm telling you now, there is a hell. And unfortunately, the odds are there are people watching this message that think they're going to heaven. And they will be surprised to find themselves in hell. That's one of my greatest fears, actually. One of my greatest fears is to accommodate humanity in a way such that they feel like they're going to heaven. And then they find themselves on the first breath of eternity to be in hell. An equal fear, an opposite fear is, is for me to put doubt in a follower of Jesus. I don't want you doubting your salvation. If you have been saved, you have been saved to the uttermost. I want you to know that your sin cannot separate you from God, that God's grace is so powerful that you can be secure in your salvation. Potentially, my fear is that there are many of us walking around assuming that we've had a salvation experience that includes a confession, but not repentance. 
And you cannot be saved without repentance. Repentance is turning from sin and turning your face to God. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that if you want to live a life in heaven in eternity, in the love of Jesus, it requires a confessing of the mouth and a turning from sin. I don't know how many likes this will get on Facebook or how popular it will become. But I hope from here to there, you'll thank me. If you're one of the people and you're not sure if you've really given your whole heart to Jesus, it's not too late. That's the good news. The good news is it's, it's not too late. You know, there was a, a time before earth was made Lightbearer was his name. Lightbearer was an angel, the, the most beautiful angel that was ever created, the most musically gifted angel that was ever created. The Bible actually describes him as having instruments built into his body. Now, no middle school boys, I'm not talking about those kinds of musical instruments built into your body. I know what you're thinking. That's not where we're going with this. But, but this angel had all kinds of gifts and talents and wisdom. One day, he thought that he could possibly overshadow God. He, he looked at the throne of God and he assumed that he could reign supreme. After all, he had it going on. The Bible tells us that God kicked this angel, his name was Lucifer, out of heaven. And a third of the angels went with him. That tells us, you and I, that angels have free will. In heaven, angels had free will. And a third of the angels chose to follow Lucifer. They became, they fell from heaven uh, to earth. Now they live and God created hell for them to live forever, to be separate from the light and the love of God. God actually never intended for you to go to hell. That's not in his plan. It's not in his hopes and his goal. And in fact, we know from Scripture that it's his desire and will that none should perish, but everyone have everlasting life. But he gave these angels free will, and that's how hell was created. There's a story in the book. When I say the book, I'm referring to Imagine Heaven. It's a book that we've been going through. Um, there's a story about Dr. Maurice Rawlings, he was a, a, a doctor who didn't believe in heaven, didn't believe in hell, didn't believe in God, and he didn't believe in the afterlife until a 40-year-old man came into his office. I suppose they were doing a stress test. I'm not sure the details, but he dropped dead of cardiac arrest. Nurses ran in uh, on the scene and started to do chest compressions. Um, Dr. Rollins recalls, I'm going to read it for you. I had to insert a pacemaker wire into the large vein the patient began coming too, but whenever I would reach for instruments and stop compression, the patient would again lose consciousness, stop breathing, and die once more. Each time he regained a heartbeat, he screamed, I am in hell. He was terrified and pleaded with me to help him. I was scared to death. After several resuscitations, the man pleaded, don't you understand? I am in hell. Each time you quit, I go back to hell. Don't let me go back to hell. I dismissed his complaint and told him to keep his hell to himself until I finished getting his pacemaker in. But the man was serious. Pray for me, he begged. 
I told him I'm a doctor, not a preacher. Pray for me, he repeated. So Dr. Rawlings drew on the only bit of information he had from growing up in Sunday school as a child. And he led him through a prayer that said something to the extent of, Lord Jesus, I ask you to keep me out of hell. Forgive my sins. I turn my life over to you. If I die, I want to go to heaven. If I live, I'll be on the hook forever. The patient's condition finally stabilized. A couple days later, Dr. Rollins asked his patient to explain the hell that he saw. The patient couldn't remember any of the terrifying things he saw in hell, but he did remember after he said the prayer and died again, he was in a different place, a place of peace, a place of hope, a place of life. Dr. Rollins suggests that potentially people that encounter hell on the new, in the near-death experiences, it is so traumatic that they're suppressing it in their conscious mind and can't recall all of the details. It's said that one in 25 people have a near-death experience when they die, and if they are resuscitated, they've gone to heaven or to hell. Many people that have had a hellish encounter or experience don't want to tell about it for fear that they'll be looked at as crazy. There is a hell. And hell is real. People need a savior. Romans 3:23 says that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How can a loving God send people to hell? It's a great question. I suppose the question we should be asking is, how can humanity reject a holy God? You see, God is a gentleman. John 3, 19 through 21 says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You see, God is, he is a gentleman. It's not that God wants to punish people and send them to hell or banish them forever. But God has created a system of free will. God has created humanity in a way that to love God, we have to have the option to not love him. C.S. Lewis says something. I willingly believe that the damned are, in one sense, successful rebels to the end, that the doors of hell are locked from the inside.
I just want to speak to you. Not the person sitting next to you. Not, not the kids running in the kitchen. I want, to, I want to speak to your heart for a moment. When God created the foundations of this world, you are already on his mind. When God sent Jesus to die on the cross for sin, he already had you in mind. Hell is not the place that he has determined for you to spend eternity. He desperately longs for you to live in heaven with him forever. This is the frequency that's going out today that you belong in heaven forever. You see, the angels, they got to witness a third of them being thrown out with Lucifer. They, they witnessed the judgment of God. Does God still have judgment? Absolutely. I, I know that we have a God is love gospel, and I, I fully support that God is love. But God is also justice, and he is grace, and he is mercy. I mean, you can read from Genesis to Revelation, Starting the book of Genesis goes six chapters in and we see a God who drowns the whole world. God of love? We see a God who tells Egypt that he's going to massacre the firstborn if they don't let his people go. Oh, Pastor Trey, that's the Old Testament. I, I know it is and it's the same God. Have you read the book of Revelation? <laughs> What's going to happen in the book of Revelation? There is a God of justice and vengeance that comes on the scene. I mean, you can read all throughout that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll tell you what God is doing new on the scene right now with you and I. He's bringing in an era of grace and mercy. And, and the Bible tells us in Matthew 18... No, Ephesians 3.10, his intent was that now, that's right now, you and I, that now through the church, the wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. You know what's happening? The angels who witnessed his judgment in the heavens, the angels who witnessed his judgment on earth, now are sitting almost as students in a classroom to witness his grace and mercy in action toward you and I. You see, God wants the heavenlies to, to learn from what we're experiencing, this 4D world that heaven is looking at. And they're saying, but what about the flowing water from the throne? And God says, H2O will have to do. What about the brilliance of the colors in heaven? Why isn't it there? Well, these, these colors will have to do. Well, why is this just a shadow and a copy? And God says, just sit back and watch and wait. Just serve the people because I'm going to send Jesus to rescue them. And now these same angels who witnessed, who witnessed the fall of angels from heaven, now get to rest, witness a God running to humanity.
God never desired for you to live in hell. I understand that sometimes this world feels like hell on earth, especially when you're wearing a mask and you can't breathe and you're in line and all you really needed was butter. I get that sometimes this feels like heaven when you fall in love and you say, I do. You hear the cry of of that first child. Sometimes it feels like heaven when you look out over the ocean and the waves are rolling in and the breeze is flowing through your hair. But I need to remind us all today that this is just a shadow of what's to come. Do you understand that the church and the Holy Spirit right now is restraining the work of the Antichrist, the spirit against God, all evil work done by Satan and uh, demons and any evildoer, it's being restrained by the church. It's being restrained by the Holy Spirit, but there's coming a day, could happen before I say amen today in this sermon, when Jesus is coming back to receive the church. And that layer of protection will be no more. And then it will really feel like hell on earth. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that we look through a glass dimly. But there's a day when we see him face to face where we will be fully known. Church, it's not too late. God desperately wants you to say yes to him. I don't talk a lot about hell because honestly, I, I'm not going to go there. You're not going to go there. I pray in Jesus' name. We're going to make the decision to live a life that is faithful toward him. A decision that says no to sin and, and yes to salvation. Yes to the grace and the gift of God. But if that's you, if you're ready to say yes, remember, I'm just talking to you right now. Just, just look me in the eyes. No one has to know that, that you're feeling me right now. You're tired of running. The good news is you don't have to run anymore. The even better news is you don't have to earn your way into heaven. It's already been done. The work has already been done. So if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner. I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for me. I confess with my mouth that I am a a child of God, that I was a sinner in need of a savior, but today I will say amen as a saint. From this moment forward, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.
If you just said that prayer today, first of all, congratulations. What an incredible decision. It is the best decision you've ever made in your life. I guarantee that. Will you scroll down the page? If you're watching online at theexchangechurch.org, scroll down, hit the button, I said yes. If you're watching on Facebook Live, type in, have the courage, type it in. I said yes. Our online host would love to connect with you and meet with you after service just to give you more information about the decision that you've made today. God bless you. We love you very much.